you are new today or you're just getting caught up at all our campuses of Lutheran Church of Hope this summer, we've been studying the book of Romans. So if you haven't already, turn to Romans chapter 11, and that's where we're going to be today. Uh, We've been studying this letter that Paul uh, wrote to the church in Rome, to these early Christians, some of them Jews, God's people, some of them Gentiles. Gentiles are anybody that's not a Jew. And so we've been reading through this this summer, and I hope that as we've been going through it, it is our prayer that we would not just be getting through the book, but that we would be letting the book get through us, right? That's the goal, right? And I don't know about you, (laughs) I love this book. I love this book because I believe that it changes lives. And I pray that your book, that your Bible would be falling apart. I pray that the pages would be torn. I pray that it would be written in and highlighted and circled five times over. And I pray that you'd have to get a new one every single week because you wear it out every single week, right? Chances are somebody whose Bible's falling apart, chances are their life is not, right? God's the one that holds us together. Even when life throws curveballs our way, this is the foundation we build our lives on. And the reason that our number one desire is that this would be moving through you and breathing through you, it's our prayer that this would not be the only day of the week where you open this, right? <laughs> if, if Sunday is the only day that you crack that thing open, then something's wrong. We want you to form, fall more and more in love with it because there's two things that happens when we encounter God's word. Number one is it points us to Jesus, and that's the reason we exist as a church, is so that you would fall more and more in love with Jesus every single day. And the second thing that God's word does for us is it tells us who we are. It tells us who we are because we live in a world that, that there's so many different voices that say this is who you are, this is you should be, who you should be between media and culture and all the things and all the images and all the, the ideas that are thrown our way every single day that say this is who you should be in order to be loved, in order to be popular, in order to be valued, in order to be accepted. And that's why God's word is so important because it reminds us again and again who we are. Because when you think about it, sometimes as Christians we get confused on our identity, right? If you look around the media, if you look around the news, sometimes, more often than not, we hear about Christians that are maybe doing things that we kind of go, oh boy, I wish they wouldn't have done that. And it's easy to point fingers and say, oh, those Christians aren't giving us a very good name. And then as soon as you point the finger, you realize, oh yeah, and then there's me. Right? And then we have to turn the finger and point back at ourselves to because sometimes we don't always live up to the name either. In fact, every single week. There's nobody perfect here today. Every single one of us is imperfect, standing before a perfect God. And so sometimes we get confused about our identity. And that's why what we're going to be studying today in Romans chapter 11 is so important because way more than just being a story about uh, the Roman people that Paul's writing to, way more than just being a story about the Israelites, the Israelite nation, God's people, it's a story about us. It's a story about you and me and our identity. And so we're going to kind of have a history lesson today because sometimes in order to look forward and see what God is calling us to do in our lives and to discover who it is that God's calling us to be as men and women, sometimes in order to look forward, we have to look back. And that's what we're going to be doing in Romans 11 today. But first, I want to tell you a little story about how I had to do a little uh, looking back myself. Anybody ever been to a family reunion? You know what that's about? 
Family reunion? Okay, good. This is kind of the, the time of summer where we have lots of family reunions before school starts up again. Well, a couple years ago, uh, my mom's side of the family, so I'm an Annenson, my mom's side is Hermanson, so I was the son of Annen and son of Herman put together. Uh, and so my mom's side, the Hermansons, had the huge reunion, a 150th anniversary of the Hermanson family from Norway coming and settling in southwest Minnesota. Yeah, right? Sure. Yeah, sure you betcha, right? In Minnesota. So we go from Norway to Minnesota, right? Right? So we're having this big family reunion. They came from Hollingdal, Norway in 1861. Folks, that's about when the Civil War started, right? So this is a long time ago. So we're celebrating this, and we've had other reunions, but this was a big one. We had cousins and, and uh, aunts and uncles I'd never met, and, and just family from all over the country. And so my mom had prepared this book that she'd been working on for a couple years called The Hermanson Family History. And she did a lot of work on Ancestry.com. Ever heard of Ancestry.com, right? Check it out. It's a pretty cool thing. So she did all this work. And so I'm looking through here. I'm at the reunion, and I'm meeting all these people, and I'm seeing maps and graphs. And I'm flipping through here, and I'm seeing all these strange looking funny pictures. You know when you look at old pictures? Uh, go ahead and go to that next slide. I'm looking at pictures like this and I'm going, these are my relatives. I think they should chip her up a little bit, right? You ever wonder why no, people, people didn't smile, right? Like, wow, life was terrible, right? I hate getting my picture taken, right? So we got Dorothy and Grover up there. He's ticked off about something, right? So they're in here, and I'm looking through all these pictures, and uh, there's Grover and, and somebody named Hagendald, and then I'm flipping through pages, and all of a sudden it says, John Annenson. What? And all of a sudden, I start reading these pages, and I start tracing it back to my, to my mom and, and her dad and his dad and his dad and his dad and his dad. I'm like, I'm a part of this. Someday my picture's going to be up there, and my great-great-great-grandchildren are going to be looking at me and saying, geez, what a goofball he was, right? And they're going to be looking at me, and I'm like, I'm a part of this story all the way back to 1861. And I was actually looking at some, some charts that look like a big tournament graph, like a basketball tournament, and all these charts of tracing it back in the, in the garage, and I'm looking, and it goes all the way back to 1555. That's how far they went back. And I find uh, to Scotland that there's a guy uh, that they discovered named Sander Sanderson. What a great name, right? Sander Sanderson. And I'm intrigued because supposedly this, I'm related to this guy, and he's from Scotland. And the only great person I know from Scotland is William Wallace, right? Braveheart, right? Braveheart himself. So I'm really intrigued by this, and I keep reading, and it says, Sander Sanderson was known as a great warrior in Stavehaugen. And I go, I knew it! My 18th grandpa is William Wallace, right? This explains my taste in movies and everything like that. And so that explains a lot. And so I'm just standing in the garage just looking at this long timeline of people and just, just soaking it all in and all that we've been through. And a couple weeks passed and I asked my mom, after all the chaos was kind of done, I said, Mom, why did you go to all the work to put this together? And uh, my grandpa passed away a couple years ago and she said this, she said, when I was talking to Grandpa, he always wanted us to understand where we had come from so we would understand who we are. We don't just, we're, we're given an identity. We don't come up with it on our own, right, when you're in a family. You are a part of a family. Grandpa always wanted us to know, she said, that we came from a long line of faithful pilgrims, settlers, and farmers. 
So because sometimes in order to look to the future, we have to look back. And it, the same is true not only in our uh, earthly families, but the same is true in our spiritual families as well. And that's what Paul is talking about with this tree of life, this olive branch, this olive shoot today in Romans chapter 11. So if you're not there, make sure you're in Romans chapter 11. Paul's writing to these new believers in Rome, and he's getting them to try to understand, just like thousands other of these new followers of Jesus, what it means that your identity, what it means that your ancestry is Jewish. That you are from Israel, but now you are also a Christian. So you have to understand that most of the people that Paul is writing to have not been uh, Norwegians their whole life, right? They've been Jewish. They've been from the nation of Israel, which is God's holy and chosen people. Their Ancestry.com profile doesn't show Norwegian farmers. It shows Abraham and Moses and King David. Wouldn't that be neat to find on your profile, right? And so their entire lives, they've lived under this reality that they alone have a special relationship with Yahweh, with God. And now enters this carpenter from Nazareth named Jesus, who's actually one of them, a Jew. And Jesus comes, and he, all of a sudden, he starts inviting everybody into the kingdom. And Jesus says, this new movement, this kingdom of God, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. And the, and this, the Jews start freaking out because Jesus is inviting in people that don't look like them and talk like them and smell like them and live where they do or anything. Everybody. And then as Jesus lives and dies and rises again, he gives his disciples this commandment. And you've heard this before. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Let's read this together. This is what Jesus says. Let's read it. Go make disciples of all nations. Notice the all. This is a scandalous statement to say to people that have been a part of the Israelite nation their entire lives. This is for everybody. And so this is the reality that Paul is speaking into here in Romans 11. And so Paul's trying to help these Jews understand this tension of, I'm Jewish, but I'm also a Christian, so does that mean that I just throw away my entire past? And so look, at me, uh, look with me at verse 1. We're going to start right at the beginning and kind of hop around a little bit. Number 1, Paul says this, I ask then, has God rejected his own people, the nation of Israel? Do we just throw away all our past? Of course not, he says. I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. Verse 2, no, God has not rejected his own people whom he chose from the very beginning. In other words, Paul's trying to convince his fellow Jews and other Gentiles as well that just because Jesus has come, your past still has a purpose. And we read in verse 2, it turns that in order to find what their purpose is now, we need to go back to, as Paul writes, the very beginning. Just as I, in order to understand who I was, John Annenson, one-fourth Swedish and three-fourths Norwegian, I had to go back and find Sander Sanderson, a great warrior. Paul's saying, you Jews need to go back and understand the tree, the roots from which you have come from. What is your heritage? And so in order to do that, we need to go explore their family tree a little bit. And to do that, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 12. So keep your finger in Romans, and we're going to flip over to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis is the first book in the Bible, and you're looking for the big number 12. Genesis chapter 12. 
And this is where it all starts. And this is going to set us up for Paul's argument today. Genesis chapter 12. If you remember, the Lord came to Abram, who you know as Abraham. So sometimes when you encounter Jesus, you get to change your name too. It's pretty exciting. So we read uh, uh, in verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. Now listen to this, verse 2. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you will be a blessing, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So what God's saying to Abraham is you're going to be even a greater dude than this Sanders Sanderson guy from uh, Scotland, Right? You are the grandfather of everyone. Not just in an earthly sense, but in a spiritual offspring sense as well. You are going to be the father of this new spiritual family that I'm creating, says God. In other words, the nation of Israel will be blessed to be a blessing. That's the call that God places on this nation. Blessed to be a blessing. So just to make sure we got it, this side, we're going to just call in response a little bit here just to stay awake, all right? So this side, you're going to say, we're blessed. Let's try it. We're blessed. One more time. We're blessed. And this side is to be a blessing. Let's try it. To be a blessing. We're blessed. To be a blessing. To be a blessing. Oh, you got it. You're so smart. All right. Now you're going to remember that. That's God's call on Israel. We're blessed to be a blessing. And God says to this nation, I am not going to bless you and pour out my love and my provision for you just to keep it to yourself or to show off to other nations. In fact, quite the contrary. God says, I'm going to lift you up as a people so that others will be drawn to you and therefore drawn to me. Listen how the prophet Isaiah later reminds them of their calling. You don't have to turn there, but this is from Isaiah 42. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by, by the hand and watch over you. Listen to this. As a light to the nations. As a light to the nations. God's original intention for his people was that they would live their lives in such a way that all the nations around them would look at them and say, I want that. I want the relationship that you have with your God because my God is a little golden calf or it's a little idol that I created and it's not worthy of my worship. God's original intention for the nation of Israel that they would be a city on a hill. I think we've heard that one somewhere before. A city on a hill. That was God's original intention. You remember the song, right, that you learned in Sunday school about this little light of mine, right? Let's just sing the, sing the line together, right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. We can stop there. I love your singing, but just calm down, all right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. There's a lot of truth to that song. We are given a light so that we can shine. We are blessed to be a blessing. It reminds me of a story from a, a, a trip that Tiffany and I took earlier this summer to Colorado. We were hanging out with some, some another couple, some friends that are our age, and uh, we were looking for something to do. So we went to this local uh, amusement park, uh, and it was a lot of fun. The only fact is uh, it was extremely hot, just like it was here. So it was like 110 degrees that day, and I'm like, we don't want to walk around in the sun. So what's the one place that's cool in the entire amusement park? 
The arcade, that's right, you got it, the arcade. So we go to the arcade and uh, we walk in and, and uh, we need some tokens to play the game. So we walk over to the token machine and my friend takes out a 20. He's like, oh, I'll just put this in. We're gonna get you know, a couple dollars in tokens because you get quite a bit for, for a dollar. And he, sa- he takes out a 20 and he puts it in there thinking, I'm gonna get change for this. And he puts in the 20 and all of a sudden, these tokens just start pouring out. He's like, no, 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 I want a refund. And all these tokens, and we fill up two 20-ounce cups with tokens, right? More tokens than we will ever need. And we went up to the counter, like, can we get a refund? They're like, no, you have to use them. There's no way we can, can do that. So we're like, okay, great. And then we turn around, and we're like, we are the oldest people in this entire arcade by about 20 years, right? And like, we're gonna be here for the next four hours, right? And we were. I've never played as many skee-ball games in my life. I think I played 87 games of skee-ball and the game when you knocked the guys on the head and took out some aggression and things like that. But um, there was only one thing to do and we just had to have fun. And so we won tons of tickets, tons of tickets, almost like that many, right? And so we just had so many, and we're in line, and I'm in front, and Tiffany's behind me, and our friends are there, and we're putting all these tickets in, and we're just like, we don't need these. We have been so incredibly, incredibly blessed by, by all these tickets. We don't need them. And I turn and I look behind me, and there's this little, like, five or six-year-old boy with, like, seven tickets. And he's so excited to refund them because he could get like one Laffy Taffy, right? And he's standing behind me and his mom is right there with him. And I just kind of turn over and I look at Tiffany. I'm like, you know, we have this connection, right? You know, and and I'm like, you're thinking what I'm thinking. I just kind of wink at her and she's like, yeah. And so I have this entire thing of tickets, like literally 7,000 tickets, right? And I turn to this little boy and his mom and I go, hi. These are for you. (laughs) And I don't think the little boy knew what to do. He just goes, huh? Like that was his reaction. Much different for the mom though. Like she is in complete shock. And I will never forget the look on her face. She's like, oh, are you serious? This can't be true. You can't be serious. I'm like, yes, I'm serious. You can't be serious. Yes, I'm serious, right? We just went back and forth like this. And she's trying to get her young boy to understand the blessing that has just been bestowed on him, right? This is like eight years worth of playing skee-ball for him, right? Right? (laughs) Boom. Just blessed. And I'm thinking about this story today. I'm thinking about Romans 11. I'm thinking about Genesis 12 and God's original call on the Israelite people that they are blessed to be a blessing, And I almost get this picture of God's people, the Israelites, standing there with buckets full, arms full of tickets, more than they will ever need. And God saying, I did not give you all those so you could keep them to yourself. And so as we're leaving, Tiffany walks by the little boy and just kind of haphazardly says, well, make sure you share them with your friends, okay? And the mom's like, yeah, we will, we will. And the the boy's like this, no, they're mine, right? You know? And she says, make sure you share them with your friends because you've been blessed to be a blessing. And I just just get that picture that maybe that's a a little picture of what God had in mind. The question is, what is the little boy gonna do with it? What are you gonna do with your blessing? And God asks us the same thing today. It's almost as if we're a bunch of little kids standing in line with more tickets, as God later says to Abraham, more than the stars in the sky. I'm going to give you more blessings than even the the, the little kernels of sand that are on all the beaches in the world. 
Unfortunately for our ancestors, instead of this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. What's the next verse? Hide it under a bushel? No. No. For them, yes. As we look throughout the rest of the Old Testament, we see the story of God's people over and over and over again hiding their light under a bushel, hoarding all their tickets to themselves. That's their history. So now flip back to Romans chapter 11 and let's see what Paul has to say about this. Skip down to verse 7. Romans chapter 11, verse 7. Paul says, so this is the situation. Most of the people of Israel have not found the favor of God they are looking for so earnestly. A few have, the ones God has chosen, but the hearts of the rest were hardened. This is bad news, folks. They're not being the city on a hill. They're not being the light that shines. It's hard to love. It's hard to be a blessing when your own heart is so hard. But that's the story of the entire Old Testament. God calls to his people. They run away. They come back to him. They run away. God calls them back. They come back to him over and over again. Instead of being a light to the nations, what happened is that the nation of Israel became jealous of other nations and started worshiping other gods. Instead of just following the the laws that God had given them, when Jesus steps onto the scene, we have the the, the Pharisees and all these other religious leaders that are making up new laws and piling on all these rules and regulations, making it impossible for anyone to be in a relationship with God. And last but not least, they hide their bushel because they don't even recognize the Savior that God has sent to them, one of their own. Jesus was a Jew, remember? They don't even recognize him. In fact, they kill him. They crucify him. It's almost like God has called the nation of Israel to be this beautiful light that shines, but they snuffed it out. God gave them this beautiful light to shine and this beautiful gift of being blessed to be a blessing. And the story of the Old Testament is a people... That one day, one month, one year after another, one mistake, one sin after another are shattered and broke this beautiful dream that God had. But you and I do the same. This is not a rant on the Jewish nation. This is us. This is our history. We are those people that have been given this beautiful gift. And sometimes we say, well, thanks, but no thanks. I think I can do it my own way. And it breaks, little by little. Sin after sin, mistake after mistake, we start living outside of God's boundaries, or maybe there's things that have, been, that have happened to you. And some of you are saying, this is where I was when I started. And some of you are here today because you're saying, this is me. <laughs> This is what my life feels like these days. <laughs> it's broken into pieces and I don't, I don't know if God can put it back together. I, I, I think I might be beyond repair. What are your pieces today? This is where God's story intersects with your story. And it all starts coming together. You're wondering, can I ever be put back together? Will I ever find my stride in life? Will I ever find out who God has called me to be? 
And here is the good news for every single one of us this morning. Look at Romans chapter 11, verse 11. This is the good news for us today. In fact, let's read this up on the screen. It's so good. Let's read this together. Did God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery? Of course not. Let's say that last part together. Of course not. Paul is saying, I want to make sure that you get this. This is your story, yes, a story of God's people that have run away again and again and again. But Paul says, has your sin, has your mistakes, has maybe your apathy towards God in the last couple years messed things up for you beyond recovery? Of course not. Of course not. Because the Messiah that has come, his is, is job is to put things back together. The story of the Bible that we read is a story of a God who comes and puts things back together. Maybe not perfect the way they once were, but a beautiful picture of God taking your life and all those mistakes and all your brokenness and slowly holding you in his hands and delicately putting you back together. That is is the promise of the gospel. It's restoration. What does that look like for you this morning? God says, I'm in the business of putting you back together. I'm a God that keeps my promises. And so he sends Jesus who lives and dies and rises again and opens wide the kingdom. And Jesus, the Messiah, accomplishes what the, what the, the nation of Israel could not be. Because Jesus comes and he says, I am the light of the world. Jesus says, I am everything and more that you will never be able to be on your own strength. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world, so let me take my light and put it inside of you so that you can shine and become who you were created to be. Do you know that you were rescued for a reason? Do you know that you're here this morning not to just sit here in complacency and say, I've been saved, hallelujah. You have been saved for a reason. You've been rescued for a reason so that your light can shine. We've been, let's say it again. What's your line? Blessed, blessed to blessing. Not to just sit here. We've been blessed to be a blessing. And so Jesus picks up on this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, as he's giving this new command to his apostles, and he says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Did you hear that? Witnesses. God is taking his church, us, back to the original calling that he gave Abraham and the nation of Israel in Genesis chapter 12. Be that city on a hill. Be that light in the darkness. And where? To the ends of the earth. To the nations. Jesus' call to the church is his call to us. So instead of just talking about how God is the God that comes and puts us back together and rescues us for a reason... I want you to hear today from one of our family members here at Hope Des Moines who has taken this call to live out this verse, literally to the ends of the earth, that God has given her this light so that she can shine. So if you would, give a warm Hope Des Moines welcome to Steph Schmaltz. So, um, if you don't know Steph, this is Steph. Hi, Steph. Everybody say hi, Steph. Hi. Steph. hi. 
The board's a little short, so I might. Oh, that's okay. I'll come to you. Um, Steph, say hi, everybody. Hi. I did, didn't I? <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. So before we get into it, um, Steph, I want you to just share uh, a little bit about your background, just your family upbringing really quick so people have kind of an understanding of, of who you are and then kind of how you came to Hope. Yeah, I grew up way up north in Ames, so far away. <laughs> yeah, way up there. Um, but yeah, grew up, definitely grew up in the church. Um, was fortunate to grow up in a family that believed in the Lord and just grew up kind of knowing him and, and that. And then um, went to Central College in Pella, Iowa. Um, and yeah, you want me to share a little bit about university from there? Yeah, so then, so then Steph's story, she comes to Hope and then she gets connected with this ministry called InterVarsity at Drake. So tell us a little bit about uh, the last few years, I guess. Yeah, so when I was at Central, I was able, very fortunate to be part of a, a fellowship there. And it was basically this group of people that just, students that were like, I just want to know more about God and I, I don't know everything, but there's a great spot for me to just be able to be with other people that are really searching after who God was. And one of the things that they had there was this trip. Uh, overseas in the summer and when I heard about it I was like oh I think I've never been overseas I want to know what that's like so it was a, a trip to China actually and so it's a six-week trip and what it did we spent a week in Beijing kind of getting accustomed to China but then we have a roommate from one of the universities there that is an English major and so there's a group of about 15 of us and what we basically did is we just live life together so we had class in the morning and would teach each other about one another's culture and then in the afternoons we'd have some kind of activity and then it, at night we would just hang out basically like just live life together um, for that month and that was um, the first time that I was like, oh, this is great. Like, I, there's something about this that is just so great. And I'm like, if there's, if there's a way I could do this for the rest of my life, this would be awesome. Wow. So it, it felt like uh, for the first time, it was like, oh, I, f I feel like I really love this kind of situation. So my roommate, she, um, we got, she'd never even seen a Bible before in her life. And so we basically just got to share about our lives with one another and for the first time got to just talk about the Lord as well. That's awesome. And so that just kind of led me to think, oh, what, what could this mean like to actually do this? Could this be like a job? <laughs> could this be something you could actually do for your life? And so um, came back, changed my major to education or from, from education to religion and sociology and just tried to learn all that I could about how those things kind of intersect. Um, and then actually came on staff with InterVarsity. And so uh, it's a campus ministry and they sent me from Central to Drake and got to just learn about what it meant to live life with college students and to answer their questions about the Lord. That's awesome. So it sounds like we were talking about God's call on Israel to be a city on a hill, to be a light in the nations, and then that continues with Acts 1.8. So start with Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. It seems like you were pretty content with your Jerusalem, which is Des Moines. I mean, things right. were going well yep. with InterVarsity, and you're like, this is great. Ministry in the city is great. But over the last couple of years, it seems like God's been doing something in your heart for the nations, for Judea and Samaria and literally the yeah, ends definitely. of the earth. So take us through that process because I have a feeling a lot of us are sitting here today going, okay, I know God has a call in my life, but how do I figure that out and how does God call us to those things. So take us through that process a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, when I was in China, I was like, there's something about this that just feels like, oh, this is something I want to do. How that happened, I have no idea of how that's supposed to play out for the rest of my life, right? But um, 
my roles with InterVarsity have changed a little bit over the past few years, and one of the things I've been doing is helping our, our region, we have four states in it, um, what it means to help plant an overseas student movement. So we're on college campuses kind of throughout the, throughout the US, um, but we have a, we're also a part of a larger organization that does with college campuses all throughout the world. So we're in like 150 some countries, but there's places where there isn't actually any work for college students, and one of those places um, is Cambodia, actually. And so me and some other Which people- Which is farther away than Minnesota, A right? little bit further, yeah. <laughs> a little warmer, too. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we went in October to see if actually this is a place that we could partner and that we could help to help start a movement. And so I went over there actually just thinking like, oh, I'm going to help our region get to this place, and this will be great. Um, but when it was there, it was like, God reminded me of this thing back when I was 20 years old in China, of mm -hmm. like, you, there's something in you that I want you to see here. And mm -hmm. so, uh, yeah, it's, I came back really scared of like, oh, I don't want to go. Oh, that's really <laughs> far, right? And there's, there's a ways that like fear and doubt can just really come into you and that. I mean, who am I? I grew up in Ames, Iowa. I've never been here longer than 10 days, and suddenly <laughs> I'm feeling like this is maybe the next place for me. Yeah. Um, but if, it also felt like a step of almost disobedience to not take that next step hmm. up to what it meant to what could that actually look like and how could that actually play out. So it seems like this call to obedience for you from getting into ministry to, to taking the job with InterVarsity, working with international students, and now making this crazy decision to go to Cambodia, uh, which with God is not crazy, has been a series of yeses. It's been mm -hmm. a series of saying yes to God in these little things. Because I think for a lot of us to say, oh my, oh my word, God's calling me to go to Cambodia, that's not for all of us, but for you, it was just kind of the logical next step as you've been walking with God. Um, which, which translates a lot to God's call on Abraham originally to totally. leave everything you know and leave cyclone country and go to <laughs> Cambodia. I mean, right. that's more mm -hmm. crazy than going to Iowa City, right? I mean, that's just Much out of nowhere. <laughs> um, you know, we talked a lot about God's plan for Israel and how a lot of times we're like that shattered glass that we feel completely broken, completely inadequate. And maybe there's some of us here today saying, I know that God has placed a call on my life. I know that he's called me to do something, but I really feel broken and inadequate. Can you just share just a little bit about how you're working through those fears of being a young woman that is going literally across the world to a country now in Cambodia that is in a lot of ways anti-Christian? Um, that's a really scary thing. How has God been working in your heart even amidst your brokenness and your fears uh, with that decision? Yeah, I think, you know, even as you're talking here this morning, it's like, uh, I have a great life here. I have a great church. I have really good friends. I have a job that I love. Um, but I think what happened in me as I started thinking about Cambodia, it was like, am I going to just keep those things just for me? And there's part of me that was like, I could stay here, and there's still tons of stuff here that I can do and, and be part of God's work here. But part of me was like holding on to it as this was my own life, and this is the things mm -hmm. that just I wanted to do. Um, and it became a choice then of like, am I going to choose my own comforts over what God is actually asking me to do? And so yeah. I think that it doesn't matter where. Sometimes I think we can over-romanticize what it means you're really following God if you go overseas. That's not true. It's where's yeah. God actually calling you to in the moment. And so it's like, I think what it is is 
choosing to say yes to God over choosing to say yes to your fear and doubt. Because mm-hmm. I think those are kind of the two ways that, um, that we can get distracted from what God's calling us to. So whether that's, gosh, I'm in a coffee shop and I feel like I'm supposed to talk to this person. It's mm-hmm. not letting fear and doubt be the things that actually guide your life and just saying yes to what God's putting right before you. Yeah, so just so you understand, um, what Steph is saying yes to is not safe. That doesn't make it any more spiritual or any more, <laughs> Steph's not a super Christian, I know her. She's a normal Iowa gal, uh, just like a lot of you are. Um, but God, when God puts this incredible call in our lives, we're able to step into the darkness and shine that light because that's what we've been created to do. And so, Steph, we want you to know as a church family that we are behind you in this. And as you face situations where you are ministering to students uh, literally across the world that may be uh, against Christianity, uh, you may be in some difficult situations. And so it is so important that you have a church that's behind you, that's praying for you, that's supporting uh, you. And I just want to say on behalf of all of us, we are so um, blessed by your courage. Um, because uh, I'll be honest, personally, I'd like to keep Steph here. <laughs> uh, Steph's been on our leadership team here at Hope Des Moines for the last couple years, and um, I just really believe that God's called us to be a church that sends our best. And Steph's definitely been one of our, one of our best, and we're going to miss her uh, a lot, and she's done an incredible uh, work here at Hope Des Moines. Um, but when God says go, we have to go. Whether that's Cambodia or whether that's across the street or uh, down the block, um, God calls us to do that. So I just want to say thank you for your courage and for the example that you are to us of uh, living out our calling to be a light that shines. So um, let's, uh, let's, if you can, just reach out your hand uh, and we're going to pray a blessing of uh, support and protection over Steph as she goes. In fact, we can... Uh, pray for you. And uh, let's just reach out our hands and, uh, and pray for Steph. God, we thank you for this woman of God. God, following you and being obedient is not always safe and it's not always easy, but that's not the life that you've called us to. So God, as, as Steph goes and she works with these university students that have never heard about you and never even cracked open a Bible, I pray that you would give her strength, that you would give her wisdom, that you would give her passion for your gospel, for your good news, and that it would literally go to the ends of the earth and that you would change lives through her. So keep her safe, God, protect her, and remind her that she has a church community back here in Des Moines that loves her and is in full support of what uh, she's doing as she follows your call. So God, we love you and we thank you that you have sent us out blessed to be a blessing. And we pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's give God praise for Steph. As we close today, I just want to follow up on, on what you just heard. This, this entire morning would be a complete failure if you thought that it was all about Steph, (laughs) if you thought that it was all about, I need to go and be a missionary somewhere. Um, This thing called discipleship and being obedient and following where Jesus leads, um, it's about one yes at a time. 
And uh, there's this story that's told of a woman that heard of Mother Teresa. And uh, Mother Teresa, uh, you know that she ministered in Calcutta, which is one of the, the um, poorest, uh, dirtiest cities in the world in India. And uh, this woman said, in order to be a Christian, in order, in order to be obedient, I need to go and serve with Mother Teresa and I need to go to Calcutta and serve with her. So she finally got a hold of Mother Teresa and she looked at the little nun and she said, I must come with you. I'm ready to leave everything behind and leave where I am and I'm ready to go follow you and I'm ready to go minister to the children in Calcutta. And the little nun looked back at her and said, thank you, but please, first... Find your Calcutta. Find your Calcutta. For Steph, it's Cambodia. What's your Cambodia? What's your Calcutta? It might be the cubicle across from you. <laughs> it might be the man or woman down the office from you. It might be across the street in your own backyard, the family down the block parents that you sit at, uh, sit with at the t-ball games. Where's that place that God has called you to, to shine your light? This is your story. This is God's story. Maybe it's time today to get out of your little bubble and say yes to where God might be calling you. Jesus says, I've rescued you for a reason to go and share this good news and not keep it to yourself. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together.